Hey there, family. Welcome back to a whole new podcast here at U-Turn Orlando. We're so psyched to have you guys. For all those of you who want to have more information on our church, go ahead to www.myuturnorlando.com. We love you guys. Enjoy. The whole sermon series has been on miracles. Everybody say miracles. And how many of you know that we all, in one time in our life, need a miracle? Amen? We need a miracle from Jesus. And uh, today, I'm going to be talking about the miracle is in the house. The miracle is in the house. We're going to look at a, uh, a familiar story if you've been going to church. But if you, have been, if you haven't been going to church all your life, this is going to be such a powerful story that I really hope that God encourages you to really look within yourself and see what God has already placed inside of your life. So in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. It says, One day the wife of a man from a guild of prophets called out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You won't know what a good man he was devoted to God. He was a good man and he was devoted to God. And now the man to whom he was in debt, in debt is on his way to collect by taking my two children as slaves. I mean, that's a problem. Can you imagine your, your husband is a man of God? He's a good man. And then when he dies, because you guys owe debt, this man that you owe debt to is coming to collect this debt. And the way that his debt is going to be fulfilled is that he's going to take two of your children. And what would happen back then is that they will use your children as slaves to work for free. I mean, that's, that's a problem. Amen? Well, look at this. Verse 2 says, Elijah said, I wonder how I can help. Tell me, what do you have in your house? She said, nothing, she said. Well, I do have a little bit of oil. Everybody say, a little oil. Here's what you do, said Elijah. Go up and down the street and borrow jugs and bowls from all your neighbors. And not just a few. Somebody say, not just a few. All you can get. All you can get. And then he says, then come, come home, lock the door behind you. You and your sons pour out into each container. And when each is full, set it aside. She, so verse 6 says, she did, verse 5 and 6 says, she did what he said. She locked the door behind her and her sons. As they brought the containers to her, she filled them. When all the jugs and bowls were full, she said to one of her sons, another jug, please. He said, that's it. There's no more jugs. Then the oil stopped. Everybody says, then the oil stopped. Now you know why the prophet said, bring as many jugs as you can. Verse 7 says, you went, she went and told the story to the man of God, he said. And he said, go sell the oil and make good on your debts. Live, both you and your sons, on what's left. On what's left. Turn to your neighbor, says, the miracle's in the house. Amen. Father, I thank you, God, for your word. And I pray, God, that you would just... Use me, think through me. I pray that you would speak through me this morning. 
And I pray, Father God, that life change happens, Father God, that this time next year, somebody's life will be completely changed, just like this woman. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, during this series, we learn about a lot of different miracles, right? We learned about the miracle of healing. Amen? How many were there when you heard the message, the miracle of healing? We learned that, you know, there's some Christians that actually believe that God doesn't heal no more. Right? But we're a church that believes that God still heals. And you might be saying, why does God still heal? Because the Bible says he does. That's why God that's why we believe that God still heals. You know why else? Why else we believe that God heals? Because we have seen evidence of his healing power. I am a living testimony of God's healing power. I'm a living testimony. And some of you are testimonies of God's healing power. So many times we think that healing is just physical, but it's not just physical. God can heal you emotionally. God's power has the ability to heal you emotionally. I don't care if you've been diagnosed with depression. God can heal depression. God can heal anxiety. God can heal mental disorder. Whatever the issue is, God can heal. Can somebody say amen? We also learned about the miracle of protection. And we learned that God is a God that protects his people. And we learned that the grace of God protects the sinner or the unbeliever, right? But it is a covenant relationship with his people. In other words, God says, if you follow me and you serve me, I promise that I will protect you. My friend, that is a miracle. That is a miracle to have a supernatural God protect us and see things way before we see them. Some of you don't even realize how God has protected you. Because he's, he, he's taken care of the problem way before you got there. Did somebody say amen? <clears throat> and then Chris, he spoke about the miracle of praise and gratitude. And we learned how powerful praise is. And we learned how powerful gratitude is. You know, one of the things that I took out of the message is that you can't complain and be grateful. You got to choose one. Can somebody say amen? You know this goes better when you actually talk back. Amen. You know what I, what, I, what I normally think is that you guys are listening to what I'm saying, right? That's why you're like, amen. But let's look at the story, right? I mean, you know, as we were reading this story, it's a, it's a powerful story. And I'm going to give you some points really quickly. Number one, God uses what he's already provided to us. And so many times I say, God, I'm, I'm lacking. God, I, 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 I'm struggling financially. I'm struggling. And God is saying, listen, check your house. Check what I have already given you. Look what it says in 2 Kings uh, chapter 4, verse 2. Elijah, the prophet, said, I wonder how I can be of help. Tell me, what do you have in your house? And the woman said, nothing. He says, well, I do have a little oil. She said, I have nothing. And how many of you know when you're in a desperate situation, you don't see nothing? 
When you're in a desperate situation, you can't be grateful for your job. You can't be grateful for the people that have blessed you. All you see is nothing. And that is what the enemy wants us to see. That when we are struggling, we don't see the goodness of God upon our lives. What we see is nothing until he wakes us up. And then we begin to realize, oh, I do have some little things over here. God gives us the miracle in our house. God uses what he's already provided. Can somebody say amen? You know, we see this throughout scripture. We see this in the life of Moses. Moses was called to be a deliverer of Israel. And he was delivering and he was transporting over a million people to one land to another. How many know that's a big headache? I mean, if you have children and you take them to Disney or somewhere, how many know two children could ruin your day? <laughs> Amen? He had a million people that he's trying to move from one location to another. And, you know, you, you have to see Moses, right? He has to get desperate. He's like, how in the world am I, am I going to be able to accomplish this? And God says, look at what I have already given you. I have given you a staff. Use the staff. And all of a sudden, when the children of Israel get in front of the Red Sea, he says, use what I have already given you. And when he did, the sea split right down the middle. He says, I've already given it to you. Use what I've already given to you. The miracle was already in the house. We look at Peter, right? The story in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 5, he was in a boat and he was fishing all night, right? And he's a fisherman. He is a professional fisherman. And then God tells him, Jesus tells him, hey, listen, go ahead and do it again the way I'm instructing you to do it. Use the nets that you used last night that you didn't have a catch and do it the way I'm telling you to do it. And Peter, obviously, most likely like us, had a little attitude because, bro, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. I know when to fish. I know how to fish. But because you say so, God, because you say so, Jesus, I'm going to do it anyways. And when he was obedient, there was a huge blessing. The miracle was already in his hands. He just had to be obedient. Right? What about the boy with a few fish and a few loaves of bread, right? And Jesus is preaching to thousands of people. And his disciples were, were saying, hey, Jesus, you're preaching too long. You're a little long-winded because these people are hungry. And let's be honest, the disciples were hungry. They were just like saying, like, hey, these people are hungry. No, the disciples were starving. They don't care about the people, right? And he was, like, he was basically saying, hey, you should stop the service. Cut it short so that they can leave and go to the market and buy themselves something to eat. And, you know, you and I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Let me cut this short. Jesus didn't do that. You know what Jesus says? Hey, I'm not going to stop the service, right? And I'm not going to stop my preaching. What I'm going to tell you is tell you to feed them. 5,000 people. And that's just the men. That's not counting the women. And that's not counting the children. Some commentators believe that there was over 20,000 people there with kids. That's a problem. But what does Jesus say? You feed them. And what do they do? He says, go search. Go search and see what we have. Okay. That don't even make sense, right? Because you have one Jesus 
and approximately 12 disciples, and he's going to be like, it doesn't matter what we got. We don't have enough for 5,000 people, 20,000 people. He says, go look and see what we got. So they find a little boy that their mother packed them a little fish and chips sandwich lunch, right? And so the disciples probably would have added to, he's like, well, this is all we found, Jesus. And you know what Jesus found? You know what Jesus did? He took the little, that little boy had, he grabbed it, he gave thanks to God, he blessed it, and he fed everyone. And the Bible says there was 12 baskets left over. The miracle was already in the house. It doesn't stop there. We continue with the story. This widow woman was probably getting desperate. She already knew that the debt, the people to collect debt were on their way. And you know what she does? She says, hey, listen, my husband was a devoted man of God. He was your servant. He was faithful. You know what that tells me? That tells me if he was devoted and he was faithful, that means when he was ready to pay tithes, he paid it faithfully. When he was ready to, to come to the house of God, he did it faithfully. When it was time to pick up a special offering, he gave and he did it faithfully. And what this widow woman said, he says, listen, this is what we've been doing. We've been doing this for years. Do you not remember? And all of a sudden, you know what the prophet says? He doesn't ignore her. He doesn't say, hey, that's your problem. I know that was, your, that, that was, that was my servant and he was part of my group. I, I don't care about that. That's not my problem. No, no. He says, let me, how can I help you? Tell me what you have already in your house. She says nothing. And then all of a sudden, how many, how, how many ever been in this situation where you say, man, I don't have nothing? And then all of a sudden, you get this little thought, well, I do have a little oil. And we think, oh, that was my idea. And you take credit. No, my friend, that was a God idea. God is the one who gave you the mentality to think, I think I have nothing, but here is the Holy Spirit speaking into your ear. No, my friend, you don't have nothing. You have a little oil in your house. Bring that to the prophet. Bring that. It pays to be a devoted person. The, mad, the Bible says that her husband was a devoted person to God. So many times God wants to provide for you, but so many times we get so desperate just like this woman and we say, man, I don't have nothing to give to God. And he says, you do have a little bit. And if you give that to me, I will bless the little that you give me. But so many times our time goes to MasterCard and Discover Car and Toyota and Mazda and Dodge. And we say, God, I don't have anything. And he says, no, you did have something. You had a little oil that if you would have gave to me, I would have blessed you. The miracle was already in the house. You just didn't bring it to me. You didn't bring it to me so I could lay hands on it and bless it and multiply it. The miracle was already in the house. This is something that God told me a long time ago. Not only is the miracle in the house where you give faithfully, but you have to be a good steward of what God uh, has given you or what's left over after you give, right? There was this meme that I was reading yesterday, and it fits so well, right? There was a, a picture of Warren Buffett, and how many know who Warren Buffett is? He's a multi-billionaire. And, it's, and he says, and it says, 
give this guy a thousand dollars and he'll make it a hundred thousand dollars and then it gives it to a, pro, a person that it looks like he was poor and he, re, he really didn't have much give this guy a thousand dollars and he comes back with an iPhone or some Jordans right and then we we get in a bad situation right and we're like God I've been given to you I've been doing this for you. And then he says, but you're being a bad steward of what is left over. Right? You're buying an iPhone when you could invest that in something else. You're buying an iPhone when you could pay down your debt. You're buying an iPhone when you could pay for an apartment. You're buying an iPhone when you can do something else better and pay down the debt. Look at what the woman did. Uh, the prophet said, when you get the money, pay off your debt. Don't get another don't get another apartment. Don't get some more shoes. Don't go to uh, Millennium Mall, right, and get to a, a whole expensive Prada or whatever, right, Gucci store and use that money. No, no, no. Pay off your debt first. That's why God is providing. There's a story in Haggai, chapter 1, and I want to go through it. And let me just say this. The reason why I'm able to say this so passionately because me and my wife have been there. We know what it is to get something after God has provided. And we have to learn this the hard way. And it's not that God don't want for you to be blessed. He don't want you to be a slave. Because how I many you know if God blesses us, if God will bless some of us with $10,000, we, we, we can't enjoy that money. You know what that money's going to go to? It's going to go to debt. Right? Me included. Come on, somebody. And this is something that God is showing me. Hey, listen, you can't live in debt and live in prosperity. They don't go together unless you have good debt. And that's something totally that I have to talk about later because there is a such thing as good debt. Good debt is money that brings money to you. Bad debt is takes money out from your pocket. Can somebody say amen? Look at Haggai chapter, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, the Lord Almighty said this to Haggai. These people say that it is not right. It is not a right time to rebuild the temple. In other words, uh, they were trying to build the church. And the people were like, hey, yo, it's not a right time to do that. Verse 3 says, the Lord then gave this message to the people through the prophet Haggai. My people, why should you be living in well-built houses while my church lies in ruin? This is God talking, by the way. Don't you see what is happening to you? Now, some of us, we're going to relate to this. And if you relate to it, say amen. Verse 6. You have planted much grain, but you have harvested little. You have food to eat, but not enough to make you full. You have wine to drink, but not enough. You have clothing, but not enough to keep you warm. You have workers, but they cannot earn enough to live on. Verse 7 says, can't you see why this has happened? Now go up to the hills, get lumber, and rebuild my temple. Then I will be pleased and will be worshipped and I sh as I should be. And look at verse 9. He says, you hope for large harvests, but they turned out to be small. And when you brought the harvest home, I blew it away. This is God talking. Why did I do that? Because my temple lies in ruins while every one of you is busy working on your own house. And then he says, this is why there is no rain and nothing can grow. I have brought drought on the land. 
on its hills, grain fields, vineyards, olive orchards. On every crop the ground produces, on people, animals, and everything you try to grow. Now, what is God saying here? He's saying, hey, listen, you have a beautiful place. You have a nice car. And he says, but when I ask you for something, you don't give it. And then you wonder why another translation says you get money, but it's like you have holes in your pockets. You get the money, and then you check your checking account, and then you wonder, where did all the money go? Am I the only one that's ever said that? <laughs> We've all said that, right? He's saying this is the problem. You're putting yourself first, and you're not putting me and my house first. The miracle is in the house if we do it his way. Can somebody say amen? Put me first, be obedient, then I'll bless. That's what he's saying. Right? Another thing too, right, is some of us, we have gifts. Everybody say gifts. We all have gifts. And so many times, and I tell people this all the time, and this is something the Lord taught me. So many times we look for a second job, working at McDonald's, Burger King, nothing wrong with that. If you have to start there, start there. But so many times we don't even look within ourselves and see what we're good at. And this is something that the Lord taught me. My wife is extremely good at cleaning, extremely good. at. In fact, I have never seen nobody besides her sister that could clean as good as her. She has an anointing to clean. I mean, when she cleans and you walk inside of the house, the glory of God comes upon you. So I said, you know what? She could make money doing that, right? And so it was actually her idea, and I'm pretty good with uh, selling things and stuff like that. So what do we do? I'm good at selling. She's good at cleaning. So I sold the business and got clients, and she cleaned them, and we created a business. Using what? What she's already passionate doing. The miracle is already in the house. You already got the skill. You already got the talent. And so many times you're like, oh, I don't know how to do any of that. Go on YouTube. Figure it out. Fear is the enemy of prosperity. Many people have talent. Many people have skill. But you're afraid to step out in faith and just do it and make mistakes. My friend, if you step out in faith and use the gift that God has given you, it is not only for the church, my friend. It is for your prosperity. God wants to bless you. The miracle is already in the house. The miracle is already inside of your life. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. It says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you what? The ability, the skill, the talent, the intelligence, the know-how to produce wealth. He gives you ability. Everybody say ability. How many have Ability. We all have ability. There's some people that know how to play basketball. You'd be like, how can, I, how, can I, how can I make money using basketball? Open up a coaching thing for kids and charge them and use your skill to teach kids that want to know basketball. My friend, that's an ability that God gave you. Some of you know how to sing. Teach somebody how to sing and charge them. The Bible says he has given you ability. He has given you talent. He has given you skill. How and why? To produce money for yourself. To produce money. You know how many people online make millions of dollars and all they do is turn on a computer and press live. 
and they make thousands of dollars. Why? Because they have the gift to speak. They have the gift to teach. Some of you have skills to design things. Some of you have skills to put together clothing. Some of you have skills to work a camera. Some of you have skills to work a, commu a, a, a computer. Use your skills that you already have. And God says, you have the ability to produce money with that. The miracle's already in the house. It's in your body. It's in your brain. It's already there. It is, it is our job to, to figure that out and use it. Amen? Some of us, we're good. We're good at cooking. How many, how many are good at cooking? How many people do you know, right? Most restaurants... Most restaurants that are delicious right now, you know how it started off? With one person saying, I'm going to sell my chicken. KFC started with an old man that was willing to sell his chicken in Kentucky. And now we have Kentucky Fried Chicken. One man, and he was an old man. He says, I could cook some chicken. And what did he do? He started selling the chicken. And now we have KFC today which is my favorite chicken sandwich in the world. <laughs> Amen? Your gift can bless people. Your gift can bless people. It makes my day when I eat that chicken sandwich. Amen? When you start functioning in your gift, when you start putting God first, when you start using the little oil that is in your house, it might not be a big gift right now, but put that little oil in God's hand and you will see God multiply and bless your life. And bless your life. Use your experience. Use your story. Some of you have an amazing story. Record it and then send it to somebody to type the, what you recorded on a voice memo and write a book and sell that thing. And not only will you produce uh, wealth and money, but you will produce life change because you're going to share your story of what God has done. The miracle is in the house. The miracle is in the house. Look at what, look what happened with this widow woman, right? She took her little oil, gave it to the prophet. It multiplied. And what did the prophet tell her? When you get this little oil... Number two, lock the door and get to work. That's what he basically said. He says, when you get this oil, first of all, first, first thing he did, he says, go around your neighborhood and start using things that nobody else is using. In other words, he says, go get bowls and jugs. If they're using it, obviously they're not going to give it to you. But if they're not using it, they're going to give you bowls and jugs. How many of you know we all have Tupperware in our house? The prophet said, hey, go around and get as many Tupperwares as you can. Get bowls. And look what he says. He says, don't just get a few. Get as many as you can. So that's what she does. You know what she does? She goes to work. She don't sit in her house making excuses of why. Why is not God providing for me? No, he is providing for you, but he is telling you to go to work. He is telling you, get the bowls. Get the jugs. Bring them to me. Take them to your house. Get your children involved. So many times we think that getting our children involved in things is abuse. No, it's not. You are getting your children involved in a miracle that God is about to do inside of your life. So what do they do? They get inside of the house. They get the little oil. That's a little jug and here's a little bowl. The son gives the oil. They had a little distribution, a little factory going on, right? Three people. The mom says, give me the oil. She fills this up. 
And then she's like filling one bowl up and she says, okay, let me put this aside. Give me another bowl. It's the same little jar. Give me another bowl. Here's another bowl. And that thing fills up. And she says, oh my God, I need another bowl. And she said, give me another bowl. Give me another jug. And it just keeps on flowing and flowing and flowing. And a miracle is happening in front of her very eyes. And not only is she seeing it, but her sons are seeing the miracle that is happening with this little jar of oil. It just keeps on flowing and flowing. And the Bible says that the reason why the oil stopped is because they ran out of bowls. If they would have kept on going with more bowls, the oil would have never stopped. God would have kept on multiplying. My friend, you know what happens when you begin to do what God is telling you to do? And you begin to use the talents that God is telling you to use. The oil is going to keep on flowing. The blessing is going to keep on flowing. Why? Because he's going to touch the little thing that you are using to prosper and to bless people's lives. What does that mean? Focus. He says, lock the door and get to work. Lock the door. Don't get distracted. This is not an op- this is In other words, Elisha was saying, this is not a time to have your friends over. This is not a time to have a party. This is not a time to binge on Netflix. This is not a time to make excuses. This is time to get the little gift that I've given you and trust me to multiply it and get to work. Get to work. This is a word for some of us. Elijah says, hey, don't get a few. Get all you can get. And some of us, and I believe this for our church, that some of us, that God is getting ready to bless us to the point that we don't even believe. And God is telling some of us, hey, don't get a few. Get all you can get in this season. Get all you can get in this season. When the blessings flow, get all you can get. And as you honor me, and as you give to me, and as you use what I've given you for my honor and for my glory, I will continue to let that oil flow inside of your life. Oil is anointing. Oil is prosperity. Oil is money. Oil is a business that's going to be prosperous. He's going to bless you. Don't get distracted. Can somebody say amen? As we put on some worship music, the third thing is the miracle. Everybody say the miracle. There was overflow and generational blessing. Look what 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 7 says. It says, go sell the oil and make good on your debt. Both you and your sons live on what's left. Live on what's left. Now, if I told you, hey, listen, this miracle happened inside of your life, what I want you to do with all this oil is I want you to start an oil business. And I want you to let everybody know that you are selling oil. And when, you're, and when you sell this oil, once you get enough, I want you, the money that you get with this oil, I want you to pay off the debt so that they don't take your two sons and make them slaves. Right? And then he said... You're going to have so much that after you pay your debt, you're never going to have to work again. You can live off the profits. And not only you, but your entire family. How many want that blessing? And we see it here, right? We see that God's, 
that Elijah, God through Elijah says, hey, listen, I'm going to bless you. But you're going to have to put some work behind it. You're going to have to put some work behind it. You're going to have to get creative. But if you put me first, right? Her husband was devoted to God. That means he gave to the Lord. God blessed him. God blessed his family. And God did not forget. What is the thing? It's the miracle. I really believe that God wants us to prosper. God wants us to be blessed. But we got to do it his way. We got to be consistent. Everybody say consistent. And that is a struggle, right? That's a struggle with me. Sometimes I'm just not consistent when, with, with, with uh, getting out of debt and stuff like that. But you have to be consistent in order for God to bless you. Sometimes we're not consistent, right? We're like, man, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't want to work and, and start doing this, right? Sometimes you got to do it because that's the little oil that God is going to bless. That's the little oil that God's going to bless. The miracle is already in the house. Some of you are funny. You know how many people, if you're really funny, you know, you know how much money you can make being funny? Amen? Let's all stand this morning. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to stop in for a whole new podcast. We love you, familia. Front row. There's only two pastors. Come on. <laughs> Amen. Amen. How many love Christmas? Yeah. Anybody Amen. love Christmas? I love Christmas. Yeah. Amen. So what we're going to do, we're going to go through the Christmas story, and then uh, we're going to share on our own personal Christmas story that we've been through in our lives, and uh, we're going to share some personal uh, pictures that we actually have never shown anyone. Amen. And uh, for those that are listening to the podcast and did not show up, you missed out. Amen. But we're going to go ahead and uh, read the Christmas story from the Bible. Uh, how many love the Bible? Amen. Yeah. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Um, I don't know if they have the scripture, uh, but it should be on the screen. It says this. In the sixth month uh, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. A village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. And then it says, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel, the angel, appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. Now, if you were a woman and an angel appeared to you, that would freak you out most likely. Wouldn't it? So it says, this the angel said, hey, you are... You are a favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what an angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. That's a, that's a legitimate question. How am I going to get pregnant and give birth to a baby? I'm a virgin. 
Amen. This is, it has to do with the miracle of Christmas. Amen. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived the son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. Everybody say that. For the word of the Lord will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left. I'm going to have my wife pray for us and then... I'm just going to elaborate and then I'll go back to her. Amen. God, we thank you for this time together, God. We pray that every word that is spoken, God, that you will speak through us, Father, that you would move us aside, uh, that you would anoint this time, God, that you would open up hearts, that you open up ears and eyes so that they can listen to the voice behind the voice, Lord God. We thank you and we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Isn't that a crazy story, right? I mean, if you've never heard of the story of Jesus' birth, you'll be like, yo, that's a little weird. That's a little weird that, you know, God picked a woman uh, that was a virgin uh, to give birth to the Son of God, which is God. Amen. But the truth about this is this, this, this just didn't happen sporadically. This wasn't just like something that just happened from one day to another. God has been saying that this day would happen for hundreds, if not thousands of years before it actually happened. The entire Old Testament led up to this very, very moment. And I don't know about you, but if you were like Mary, you would have questioned just like Mary did, right? You, you would have been saying, if you were a woman, you would have been like, how is this going to happen? How am I going to give birth Right? You know, anybody that knows biology, how many of you have been to that class where you know how to get, you know, how you conceive a child, right? Anybody been there? You know I can see you, right? I can see if you're answering or not. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, you're not watching a TV. We're actually live. Yeah, so if you went to biology, you would actually know how a baby is conceived and you know a virgin cannot give birth to a child. Amen. Right? And so obviously she was confused. She was disturbed. Some of you are listening to this story and you're confused right now. And you're disturbed. But like I mentioned before, this is the miracle. This is the miracle of Christmas. This is something that God said what happened and it actually did happen. And you know one thing that I learned about this text is that it is okay to question God if you are questioning him with the right attitude. Amen. If you're questioning God with the right attitude. How many ever heard... Of saying you shouldn't question God, just let things happen. How many ever heard that? Don't question God, right? Well, that goes totally against what Mary did, right? Mary literally questioned the angel that was sent by God and said, how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin, right? If you read before that, and we're going to talk about it a little bit, and then I'll go ahead to my wife. There was another man that questioned God, and yet the angel got upset with him. The angel got upset with him because when he questioned God, he didn't do it out of belief. He did it out of unbelief. Mary questioned, not because she didn't believe. Mary questioned because she wanted to understand 
What is it? What do I have to do to make this happen? God, I believe you, but help me. Give me the details so that I don't drop the ball on this situation. And so many times, if we're going to be honest, we question God, not out of a spirit of belief, but of, out of unbelief. So many times we question God, not because we're in love with Jesus, but we're actually angry at the situation. And so therefore, what happened to Zechariah is the angel shut his mouth. Why would, why would the angel shut his mouth, right, for asking a question out of unbelief? Because his mouth could have literally stopped him from his blessing. There is the power of life and death in your mouth. If God intends for something to happen inside of your life, you can bring it inside of your life. You can bring it to life through your mouth or you can bring it to death through your mouth. And so he says, before you abort this mission, before you abort everything that I have planned for your life, Zechariah, I'm going to shut your mouth before you destroy it. And that's the grace of God. That is the grace of God that shut Zechariah's mouth. And so I don't know about you, but I want to be more like Mary. I want to be more like Mary in a sense where not, not, not give birth while being a virgin because that's special. Come on, somebody. But I want to be more like Mary that says, hey, give me more understanding. God, I believe, but give me more understanding in this situation so that I don't abort my calling, so that I don't abort the mission, so that I don't abort what you have for my life. Yes, the story is, is so amazing. Like, I've heard it thousands of times, probably, um, throughout my life. But the, the amazing part, when she says, I am the Lord's servant, which is the scripture that we're reading in Luke, um, in, in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. That stood out to me because in the midst of her, like, I believe, but I don't believe kind of thing, because of, obviously I'm a girl, I'm a woman. If an angel came to me and told me that I was about to have a baby, and I was like, wait a minute, I was taught that you had to have something with the opposite sex to conceive a child, you know, how is this happening? Um, but she said, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary, may it happen to me as you have said, and then the angel left, and the, that part, I am the Lord's servant, uh, stood out to me because one thing in her life that that by her saying that stood out to me that she is a servant now okay if that's what what the what what god intended for my life is to serve him in that way well that's how it's gonna be i'm gonna i'm just gonna have to take what this angel just told me and, and i'm gonna move it along um even though she was like my husband said having that unbelief or that that question like questioning god like okay why like basically why me why me why pick me out of all these girls out of all these women and it's it's um it amazes me how nowadays like if you think about it right if if you wanted to go out with somebody you would tell them hey i like you or however you know i'm from chicago so it, it really doesn't go hey i like you I'm like, oh, I want to holler at that boy, or I want to, I want to get like back in the day. That's not how I spoke. Like, oh, I like him, or oh, I like, or, or you know, say I like her. I want to go tell her I like her, write her a note. You know, when I was young, we did pass notes around, and you told the 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 guy in the classroom, like, hey, 
do you like me, yes or no, and then you circle, yes or no, that, 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 that did exist, I'm, I'm a little older, so that did exist back in the day, but in this story... That happens through text now. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a little bit different now, but um, what, what's, what stood out to me is that how God ordained everything, you know, Mary's parents basically hooked her up with somebody, right, and his name was Joseph, and like these two sets of parents were hooking up their kids with each other. And so God was making sure Mary had someone to take care of her or to look out for her while she was pregnant. So God didn't make it where, okay, I'm going to put them together. They're going to have intercourse and then they're going to conceive a son and then his name is going to be Jesus. No. He handpicked who her, her husband was going to be, the person that was going to be with her. While she was pregnant with Jesus. And that just amazed me. Like okay wow. Nowadays it's like you have to pick. Who you're going to be with. Like me and my husband we chose each other. Like even though God said. Well you know you guys are going to be together. And we, I'm going to work it out somehow. But my, my mom and dad didn't say. Even though my mom says. She picked my husband for me. But <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let her have that one. But, <laughs> but my parents didn't hook us up. You know. And, and, and planned our whole life so that we can conceive the children that we had. But the miracle that I seen in this was that she was a servant. Amen. And a lot of us today, we don't say that. When the Lord gave, gives us miracles sometimes or hooks us up with somebody, we don't say, man, this is a miracle. Man, we conceived the son together. That's a miracle. We think about, in reality, our human nature kicks in and we're like, man, man. I'm so tired, I got bills. Man, I had to push that kid out, that was hard. You know, or man, I'm, you know, I was 100 pounds less and now I got stretch marks and uh, I am going through all this pain and suffering. But no, Mary just like, she just said, I am the Lord's servant. I, I could just imagine how proper that was said. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel just left. Like, it felt so gracious, right? And, like, we're thinking, like, okay, Mary, are you sure about this? Like, because... Well, now you know why God chose Mary. <laughs> exactly. You know, and the way God did it, you know, the way God put it together at, till that point. Obviously, there's more to the story, um, if my husband wants to go on. <laughs> Amen. So, look at Luke chapter 1, verse 39. Uh, and this is a miracle of a prophetic word. So, now, picture this. Right? God told, just told Mary, you're going to have a child. You're going to be a virgin. Now, let's look at the details of this, right? She's a virgin. That's going to be pretty painful, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. But look at what verse 39 says. It says, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechari Zechariah lives. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. And the sound of Mary's greeting, at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The child leaped within her, I should say, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you look at the New Testament, this is literally the first time we see the Holy Spirit in the Gospels. Not only that, this is the first time we see somebody being filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of people that say, oh, that the filling of the Holy Spirit only happened in Acts. No, it happened right here. This was actually the first time somebody was filled with the Holy Spirit. And why was she filled with the Holy Spirit? Because she was going to give a prophetic confirmation. 
And what does that mean, a prophetic confirmation? That means what the angel just told Mary, God is about to bring the Holy Spirit to confirm every single word the angel just said. Watch what he says. Watch what it says. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of the Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. And look what it says. You are blessed because what? You believed that the Lord would do what he said. So a lot of people say, oh, the fact that, you know, all this stuff is so crazy, right? That she's a virgin, she's going to, to give birth. But the Bible literally says the reason why this is happening to you, Mary, is not because you're so special. And it's not because even though the Bible says she is honored, right? But God could have chose anybody, but she cho he chose Mary. And the main reason why the Holy Spirit is saying that she was chosen was because she believed. He says, you are blessed because you believed. It's not so much that she was an unbelief. No, she was blessed because she did believe. It was a crazy situation. It, this never happened to nobody. And yet she believed the voice of God through that angel. Amen. Now, what, what would that look like to us? Can we receive a word from God, a confirmation, a confirmational word? Right? Even though it might sound crazy. God, I, I never see my, myself doing something like this. I never see myself. I'm pretty sure when, when Mary was a little girl, she never thought, I'm going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Can you imagine that? Mm. I will, I'm pretty sure when she was playing with her version of Barbies. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> how, many, how many have seen the Barbie movie? Anybody? I was just seeing a documentary. Anyways, her version of Barbies, right? In her mind, she probably never even conceived the thought, man, I'm going to give birth to Jesus. What an amazing thing. And God chose her all because why? She believed. She had faith. How many things will give birth inside of your life if you would just believe? How many things within inside of our lives will give birth if we just believed? Not only believe. But tell the Lord, I'm your servant. Do what you want with me, basically. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And that's a big thing, right? Because when you, when you uh, say, Lord, I believe, you are submitting yourself to his will. And that's the problem so many times, right? We look at the outward things that are happening with inside of our lives, and you begin to say, I don't believe because of this mm. right here. I don't believe because of this circumstance. I don't believe because this is happening, right? I'm pretty sure the fact that she was telling everybody, I'm pregnant, but it's not Joseph's baby, mm. my husband, mm. my future husband. I mean, you know, that, that's not going to go well at the Christmas party. <laughs> you know family, what I'm saying? At the family reunion. Can you imagine going to your Christmas party, right? Your family Christmas party and say, hey, I'm pregnant. Oh, congratulations. not his, though. God gave me a baby. Yeah. God gave me a baby, but but then I don't really know if he's the father. <laughs> I guess he's the father. Who, Joseph? Like, no, God. Oh yeah, <laughs> of yeah, he's yeah, he's the father. But how that conversation <laughs> would go, like 
They were like, but wait a minute, it's God, but who's Can you father? imagine, though, like, you're in a, in a Christmas party, the music is going, all that stuff, and you say that, and all the music stops, and everybody just looks at you? Yeah, like, because normally, okay, God gave us children, right? Okay, but who's the, who's the baby daddy? Like, okay, God gave you a child. Okay, but who's the baby daddy? <laughs> well, let me give you some, uh, why, why this happened, right? Because the Savior of the world, the Messiah, is supposed to be 100% God and 100% man, Right? If a man would have joined together with Mary, if Joseph would have did it, then he would have been 100% man only. But the fact that God impregnated her and it came from a woman, that is what made him 100% man and 100% God. Right? Why is that significant? Because the Bible says that he walked like we walked. He felt the same feelings that you feel. He got tempted just like you do. Right? And yet without sin. And he needed to go through that. When he was on the cross, a lot of people believe, oh, that wasn't really him. That was just a spirit. No, my friend, he felt every single one of those nails. He felt every single time they pulled out his beard from his face. The Bible says that he got beat so bad that people didn't even recognize who it was on the cross. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine walking around with a savior? Can you imagine Mary looking at her son? The son that she gave birth to, the son that she nursed, the son that when he cried at night, she woke up and took care of him. Can you imagine 30 years down the road, this same son is the savior of the world and you are watching him suffer. You are watching him walk all the way to Golgotha, where is the place where the cross was. And then when you lift him up, his own mother couldn't even recognize him because that's how bad he was beaten. Can you imagine what she's going through as a mother, right? She still went through the, the pain of labor. She still went through the pain of stretch marks. Come on, somebody. She went through the pain of waking up in the middle of the night, right? Just because he's the savior of the world doesn't mean he didn't get hungry. He got hungry. Mm-hmm. And he had to cry for food, right? And all the mothers say, amen. Amen. Right? And so she's going through all this and then you see man this is my son his mission in life was to die for my sin and it wasn't die for your sin but just imagine what mary was going through at that moment amen did you want to share anything no i I just like reading the story and and thinking about um that part well that part that comes later when he died on the cross i could just imagine like if if i were mary why put myself in mary's shoes reading the story like, okay, remember when the angel came to me, God, and told me that he was gonna, you know, be the Messiah, he's gonna be this great I am, you know, and now he's going to die like this? This is what you want from my son? The miracle of the world? Like, if I I were her because of my human nature, I'm like, I'd be like, this ain't right. This is not how the story was supposed to go. Like. I'm supposed to give up my son like this? Oh, I could just imagine the piercing pain that she was feeling in her heart, not just in her heart, but the piercing pain Jesus was feeling, but knowing what he was doing it for. And what I think about is what she said as she's the servant, now the servant is on the cross and he's being nailed to the cross and dying for our sins. He, he was just doing it for us. He was, he was being the servant that he was created to be. Yes. That was 
that, that was him. His mother did it, and now her son did it. And so it's like two powerful servants of the Lord. And I think about what, what happens when we don't believe, right? When we have that unbelief and when we don't step out, step out in faith and, and serve, when we think we're not capable of doing it, we're not qualified, we maybe we think we don't look right or we don't talk right and we don't step out in faith and do it, we would miss out on the miracles. Like, think about it. Mary had this son that just popped up in her belly, you know? And then the same son was hanging on the cross, dying, bleeding, getting beaten to death. But without that, we wouldn't be here today. And that's what I think about, that if I don't do what the Lord has called me to do, and I don't believe when I still have doubts and I still go forward, if I don't go forward, then what miracles won't take place? I might not be Jesus, I might not be Mary, but I'll tell you this, I'm a servant of the Lord just like them, and we're all human. So I'm like, man, if I don't do what the Lord has called me to do, then man, so many miracles won't take place. And I think about even years before, if, if, if I myself didn't step out in faith and serve the way I did, even though I, didn't, I thought, because I, I struggle with insecurities, and there's a lot of areas in my life that I was like, no, I can't do that. I don't, I don't dress like them. I don't talk like them. I'm not their color. I'm not, you know, thin enough. I'm not, I'm not athletic enough, whatever it was. But the things that I have seen take place, the miracles that God has did throughout the years, just stepping out in faith. And stepping out in faith, okay, God, I'll do this. I'm your servant. So I encourage you guys with the story of Mary, be a servant and believe. Because the miracle, you hear in a lot of churches, the miracle's in the house, the miracle's in the house, the miracle's in the house, it's in the house. It's in you, it's in you. It's, it's in Andrew, it's in Erica, it's in, in, it's in Cece, it's in Daniel, it's in Haven, it's in all of us. If we step out in faith and believe and serve. And God will do a miracle, a miracle in your family, in yourself. Sky's the limit. I mean, come on now. Mary conceived a son without, like, she, she gave birth to a son without someone else. It was the Lord who gave it to her. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so many times you're like, man, how does this relate to me? Right? Like, I'm never going to give birth to a child when I'm a virgin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But there's a lot of things that we learn from this story that my wife and I, we could relate to. And maybe through our personal story, uh, you can relate to it, right? Those seasons inside of our lives, especially when I got sick, where we were questioning God, like, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Maybe my son could look for the pictures that we have. Uh, I actually became paralyzed in my life like about, uh, oh, like about 10 years ago, right? Close to 10 years ago? It's been uh, 10 years, yes. So that's me. That's me in the hospital. That's, that, that's my daughter, Harmony, and that's the sound man over there. <laughs> with the big old cheesy smile. Right there in that bed, I'm completely paralyzed. I can't walk. Do you have another picture? Uh, that's me. That's New Year's Day. I think, what does that say? 20? 20... 20, 20, uh, it's 2014. 2014. Mm -hmm. Now, if you see, you'll be like, man, Pastor, you, you, you're huge in that picture. 
Yeah, I am. You know what it is? I'm swollen because what they what they're doing is so that I can walk again. They injected me with thousands. I, I think it was like over th a thousand milligrams of steroids so that I could start being able to walk. Uh, and so right now in that there's like a cafeteria inside of the hospital and Christmas has passed. We're celebrating New Year's and we're actually waiting for the fireworks to go off because that's in downtown Chicago. And so, um, and so we're waiting for the fireworks to go off on New Year's. Do you have another picture? Amen, that's New Year's, maybe that's Harmony. She was just born too. Yeah, that's she New was Year's. six months there. Maybe you could show the Christmas one with the, with the Christmas ornaments on there. Yeah, so we spent Christmas 2020. So what my wife did, that's Christmas. This yeah. is Christmas day. And so if you can look through the window, you could see my, my son there, my daughter, yeah, very there. vaguely. <laughs> but, you know, she decorated on December for Christmas because I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I couldn't go to my house. I couldn't celebrate Christmas. And so uh, every time I woke up, I seen my kids' names. I seen my wife's name. I felt like I was at home. So she decorated everything in Christmas. This was a Christmas that I spent in a hospital bed, not being able to move. And so my wife, right, she was by herself during this season, right? And so you might be saying, like, how is this a miracle? Like, it, this is miserable. And it's true, it could be a miserable situation. And I'll be honest with you, it was a, mis a miserable situation, uh, but God changed it. And only because you have G only because I had Jesus inside of my life, God can turn a miserable situation into a miraculous situation. Amen. Yes. I'm gonna say that again because some of us we're just here, and I know we're a small group. Uh, this service, uh, which is great because it's more like a small group, intimate uh, conversation. But some of us we're going through some miserable situation, and I want to encourage you. Just like I'm laying in that bed looking at ornaments and seeing everybody celebrate Christmas. And I'm literally hearing the nurses have fun during Christmas time and New Year's time. God can turn that horrible situation into a miraculous situation. It wasn't too many more months after that, that I began to walk again. And it was because one of the nurses spoke to me and says, hey, you're gonna walk out of this place. Yeah. The moment I walked in, not walked in there, I they rolled me in there. They told me, hey, you're going to walk out of here. You're going to stroll in here, but you're going to walk out of it. And you need to hear those things because sometimes words from God do not come from Christians. Amen. Sometimes God will speak through an unbeliever, but it's God's voice speaking. Amen. And you might be saying, well, God don't do that. My friend, God talked through a donkey in the Amen. Bible. Come on. If he, can, if he can talk through an animal, he can talk through an unbeliever. Sometimes the reason why we don't hear God's voice is because we're not in tune to his voice. We don't know his voice. And the only reason why we don't know his voice is because we don't spend time with God to know his voice. If we never spend time with each other, you would never recognize my voice. If I called you, you might respond because you hear your name, but you won't know that, oh, that's Pastor Richard. Why? Because we haven't spent enough time with each other. But if I say Margarita at Walmart, she's going to know her name and she's going to know who's calling her. Why? Because this is over 20 years here, yo. She's been hearing this voice. She knows when I'm angry. 
She knows when I'm sad. She knows when I'm not, you know, she knows me. And the same thing could be true of God. In the worst seasons inside of your life, you need to know how to hear God's voice. If I was not able to hear God's voice in this season inside of my life, I promise you I would be miserable. I would have been miserable. I'm going to close with this in my part, and then she'll, she'll, she'll share her side of her experience. Because so many times, a lot of people hear my side, but they don't get to hear my wife's side of it. And she suffered just as much as I did. She wasn't paralyzed, but she was going through her own thing. that I'm going to let her share. Um, but if I didn't have my relationship with Jesus, there was a person that we actually rented from, and she went through a similar situation that I went through. And she said she went through a whole season of depression because she was going through it. And I could honestly say there were moments where I was sad and there was moments where I thought, God, why is this happening to me? But I never went into a season of depression where I felt hopeless through the entire season that I was paralyzed and inside of that hospital. I never felt hopeless. And that only could happen in the presence of God. And then uh, one of the things that happened too was God gave us a song, uh, not personally, but there was a song out, and uh, we'll go ahead and play it as we do the altar call, but I'm going to go ahead and give my wife the time. Um, the, that, that season where it was Christmas and New Year's, um, I had to remind myself of the Word of God. I had to remind myself of His promises. And just like the story of Mary, as we're talking about Mary, the birth of Jesus, um, in, the, in Luke, in chapter 1, it talks about, uh, in verse 38, and I can read it to you now. I'm not 38, 68. And uh, 68 to 75. I had to remind myself why the Lord came into this, this earth. You know, why he came into the earth, who he is. Because in a time like that, you have to be really strong in the Lord to, in my opinion, to stay serving the Lord and serving him right. And to continue to serve him, right? When I think about a lot of times when my friends or my family members, people I know, when they've gone through hard times, they stop going to church. They believe in God, but they stop going to church. They stop doing their normal things as a Christian, as a woman or a man of God, because obviously there's something going on. But if we read in the Bible, Luke um, chapter 1, verses 68 and on, um, it says, Let us praise the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to help. He has come to the help of his people and has set them free. He has provided for us a mighty savior a descendant of his servant David. He promised through the holy prophets long ago that he will save us from our enemies, from the power of all those who hate us. 72, he said he would show mercy to our ancestors and remember his sacred covenant. And then 73, 74, with Solomon oath to our ancestor Abraham, he promised to rescue us from our en enemies and allow us to serve him without fear so that we might be holy and righteous before him all the days of our lives. And this is from the Good News translation. So 
remembering why he came into the earth and why he died on the cross for us. And Mary being that servant, right? This miracle that has taken place. I had to remind myself as a mother, as a wife, and just as a woman of God, as an individual, that my God is still faithful. My God is still faithful. The God that brought Jesus to this world to die on the cross, even though that looked so painful, that sounded so painful in his word and, and so much suffering that we're reading in the scripture, right? We weren't there, but I know when I read those things, it just, it brings sadness, but it also brings joy because I know why he did it. And those times when my husband couldn't walk, I was just like, oh my God, like what is going on? But I had to grab a hold to the, to the Lord's promises and his word. And I had to continue to go forward and, and, and still show up, show up as uh, an employee because I still work, went to work. I still had to show up as a mother because we just had had our second child and she was, at the time, she was actually four months. And in the picture that you've seen there, she was six months. Uh, and, uh, and I think that was, because she couldn't come to the hospital for a few months. So Richard missed the beginning few months because they told us that he couldn't see her. And I would hold back my tears when the doctor was like, no, not yet. And I would be like, what do you mean not yet? She was just born. Like, I want, I want him to see her. I want, I, I, I want him to touch her because at that time, there, I thought my husband was going to die because all the things that the doctor would say, they all led to death. It's just everything they said, the list of things, the paperwork, the medicine, it just all led to death. I even had a, a family member tell me, um, you're probably gonna be a widow. How do you feel about that? And I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, and I know they meant no harm. It was just in the whole mix of you have two kids now and your husband is laid up in a bed and can't move. And so I guess a lot of people don't know what to say at, at, during those times. Um, and so I don't, I don't take no offense to it, but in my mind, I'm like, I already have so much in my mind going through like, oh my gosh, like what is really going on? But I'll tell you this, I can go on and on about thoughts and pe what people said, what doctors said, what diagnoses have said, and all I can say is that holding on to the promises of God is what kept me and kept me going. Haven and me and Harmony, we would always go to church. No matter what, you always see me at church. I could be struggling with the car seat and the bag or the stroller. And you know what? The people of God seen that. And you would see the ushers, people I didn't even know in the church. They would come and they would help me. And sit me and help to sit me down or take Harmony to the nursery. And so God was there. God was showing me, I have your back, don't worry. You know, you, you, you can struggle from the parking lot to about a, block, a, a little block or two to get into the church because at that time we had to cross the street. But God provided someone. God provided someone to, to help me in the church and help me sit down. And God provided someone to, to take care of the kids. And God provided someone to provide for all of our needs, whether it was food, shelter, and so on. 
But it was God. It was God, the promises of God and being connected to the Lord and obeying the Lord. Like my husband was talking about obedience and, and being a servant. And that all just worked hand in hand during that season. But the miracle was that my husband got to come home walking. He, there's a video that we have. I, I don't know if we can play it. But our friends came to our apartment and uh, Harmon, uh, my husband was holding Harmony and he was on his recliner. He came home with a walker and a wheelchair, but he was able to walk, something that I hadn't seen for months. And so he was video? able to sit there what? and enjoy worship with his daughter. And that touched my heart. Go ahead Two of our it. good friends um, came over and I will never forget. I don't care what they would, they, they would do. Or say, I will never forget this, these days. Um, because our friend uh, Johnny came with the guitar, and our friend Pastor Alex Galvin came, and they were just prophesying, and they were praying, and they were singing. And I was back there with my phone. Nobody told me to record. I was like, let me record. Too bad it's sideways. And it was amazing. I mean, I will never, ever forget the goodness of God. Because what I thought was something that was happening was like, why us? Why us? Why would this happen to us? We're young, young family. And you could keep playing it over and over. But it's just, it was amazing how God said in the midst of the storm in the midst of the not understanding what's going on the why me in the midst of of believing but then like questioning God but respectfully like God why me why us man we serve we serve on the worship team we evangelize we do outreaches we pray we read your word we give of our finances. We give of our time, Lord. We do all this, and then this happens. And God just reminded us that I'm still the same. I know he reminded me. I would be in the car, either getting out of our apartment or going into the hospital or falling asleep at the light. And I would be like, oh, my God. Thank you, God. I'm not dead. Because, you know, I, I was literally dead asleep in the street, like in a car. And but God, I knew it was God. No cars, not one car around me. And I was like, OK, this is weird. But God was there. I know he was there. He's the miracle working God. He's the one that sends the angel to you to speak a word. He's the one that is there when you have your children. He's the one that's there when someone dies that you're like, why them? Why them? Why me? Why do I have this disease? Why do I have this illness? Why am I broke? Why am I this? Why, why, why? Right? We ask why, but God is faithful. I don't say it because I'm a pastor. I've, I have not always been a pastor. I say it because I've lived it. I say it because I read it. I, I say it because I believe it, and I see it. During this season, we, we weren't pastors. We were just regular people in the church. Regular members in the church regular members but obedience 
as my husband was talking about obeying, obeying and believing, believing, right? That unbelief that you're like, mm. no, but, but Mary believed. She believed. But she asked God respectfully the questions that she needed answer, like, like, what's going on here? Like, what is this? Why me? I wanted to do this. I wanted to be this. I didn't say I wanted to marry Joseph. Like, I didn't pick them. My parents picked them. But God knew. God has a purpose for everything that we go through. Everything that he's given us. And everything that he will give us. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's... it's it's crazy. I look at these things. Some some of these things I forget. My wife asked me, you know, how come you didn't take pictures? I was like, I was paralyzed. What do you want me to do? <laughs> and uh, but you know, this is such a great memory for me because this right here just shows the faithfulness of God, you know. And that, you know, were there times that I didn't want to worship? Absolutely. Were there times that she didn't feel like worshiping? Absolutely pretty sure there was times that she didn't feel like going to church and she had an amazing excuse hey your husband's in the hospital stay home yeah I took it as um I took it as uh I always say I took it as as me giving the the devil a black eye me coming to church was me showing the enemy you have not won you're not gonna win you didn't win before what makes you think you're gonna win now it gave me a, a fighting spirit. It gave me, it gave me the ability to push through. And a lot of people be like, "Why do you go to church um, if you're tired? Go, go take a break." I'm not gonna let the enemy win. Every time I notice in my personal life, I see the enemy trying to creep up. I'm not gonna let you win. I'm not. I'm not, and that's that's a black eye. Me coming to church, me praying or reading my word, or or um, giving up my finances, or worshiping when I don't want to worship, or saying something good when I'm like, oh, I want to say something else. I'm like, you know what? This is me giving the devil a black eye. I, I don't think I've ever given someone a black eye, but spiritually, I've given the devil a couple black eyes because I say, how dare you? How dare you? And that's how we have to be, I, I believe. Because that's how the enemy does. He's, he's out to steal and destroy. He's out to take, he's out here to take everything that's good that the Lord has poured into you and given you. He's out here to steal it. You don't, you have to see it, you have to feel it, you have to discern it, but you have to be connected to the Lord. And that's how I feel how Mary was. That's why she said, Okay, I'm gonna ask this question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of this baby that's coming, right? But I felt like Mary's like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. This is for the Lord. I'm gonna do this. And that's how I felt in our in this season. There's so many seasons that all of us go through. But it's believing. It's trusting. It's having hope and faith. And the one and only Jesus. Amen. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
we're not saying like if you're gonna endanger people if you're sick and stuff like that and you're gonna endanger people and infect other people still come that's reckless yes. but if you're if you are like like I know people and I know like I've even done it and God even convicted me of this that I'll be like man you know what I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to to the, to the house of God I'm just chill but then I'll go to work the next day or I'll like I won't go to church but I'll go to work later on today and I'm like but God is my provider you know what I mean if I can force myself to go to work the same day that I could force myself to worship him in his house. Now, again, that's not for everybody, right? You're sick and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And it goes based on your conviction. That's just my conviction. And that's something my pastor taught me. If you can go to work, you can go to church. You know what I mean? Do you not care about the people in your, in your, in your job? You know what I mean? If you're going to infect them, then you shouldn't go to the work either. Amen. No, it was hard. It was sorry to, to interrupt you, but it was hard. Don't think like, oh wow, she's like, man, she's like a U.S. a UFC fighter, or like, oh she, you know, she's out there boxing. No, spiritually, it was hard. There's a lot of crying involved, in, and though in that season, there was a lot of crying, a lot of crying out. Though, can't do this without you. I need you. One of the worst things that you can do, and I've heard this from people, is that when they're going through a season, they cry out to God in anger and with their fists to the air. That's the wrong way to do that. You, you're not, God does not respond by our emotions. God responds by your faith in the midst of what you're going through, right? In that midst, when I, when, I, when I was in that season where I was paralyzed and I was crying out to God, I didn't say, God, how dare you allow this to happen? Absolutely not. I will play this song that it was called, Not For A Moment Will You Forsake Me? And those were the lyrics. And every single morning, I will play it and play it and play it and play it and play it. Why? Because I had to remind myself. I had to remind myself who God is. Who God is, this is actually the song. And the lyrics say, hey, you are, you're not only good, you are always good. You're not always good, you are only good. That means in the midst of me being paralyzed right now and not being able to walk and not seeing the first moments of my daughter's life, you are still only good. Let's raise it up a little bit. Let's all stand this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Maybe you're in a season this morning. Maybe you're in a season where you need to be reminded of the goodness of God. Maybe our story resonates with you. I'm not saying you got to do it the way we do it. It's your conviction. You do it however you need to do it. But at this moment, I want you to lift up your hands and just talk to Jesus. Because the same God that got us through this season and every season within our lives, that's just one story can get you through this season this morning. Come on, lift up your hands and raise up the music. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, not for a moment. Did you forsake me? Will you forsake me? Hallelujah. Not for a moment. 